Hey, it's Brett Craig. Welcome to The Big Picture. Um, today I want to talk about the narrative control around two events that just seems so obvious that I just think it has to be pointed out and should be talked about. One event, and these, these are totally unrelated events, is DeMar Hamlin's cardiac arrest on the field almost three months ago in the NFL. And the lack of, of there being a candid conversation around what might have been behind that collapse and the implications of what might have been behind the collapse and, uh, and, and, and just the incredible narrative control around that event. Uh, and then I think the second event is the Nashville shooting. And again, totally two separate events, no connection. But what they tell us about the media's narrative control, the agenda that's embedded inside of the media, uh, and I think also the power they have to carry out the agenda, to actually stop the conversation from happening around uh, these two uh, these two events and control the spin on them and the, and the narrative around them. So let's start with Damar Hamlin. We are nearly three months out, I think, from the collapse of Damar Hamlin uh, on the field from cardiac arrest. And if we just remember what happened, uh, initially they said it was commotio corditis, or it could be, which is a, a hit at just the right time on the rib cage, uh, at the right spot on the heart. It happens in hockey with hockey pucks and uh, baseball. It can, can occasionally happen. It does not happen in the NFL ever in the history of the NFL, 100-year history. There's only been one cardiac arrest actually on the field in the NFL in a 100-year history in 1971. I forget the name of the player. It's an exceedingly rare event. It's a hit that we've seen many times in the NFL. Is it? Did it cause commotio corditis? Possibly, but that theory went away really quick. And the obvious theory is that perhaps the mass medical intervention that was required to be taken by the uh, NFL players might have had something to do with it because according to even Pfizer's own trial data or their own research, and according to lots of research, I think even the CDC says this at this point, is that myocarditis is a reality with the vaccine uh, I shouldn't even have said vaccine because it probably will be censored at this point. But there, <laughs> that's where we're at, people. That's where we're at. But that the mass medical intervention does cause myocarditis in young men. Well, DeMar Hamlin is 24 years old in peak physical condition. He falls down in this game on national TV. It, it, it's, it's just like a huge moment. And then, of course, the best doctors uh, are, are put on the case after he's able to be revived. I think he actually was revived once on the field and then once again in the, in the hospital is my understanding. And so the best doctors, they get the key to the city for the care they gave DeMar Hamlin, which is great. It's awesome that DeMar Hamlin obviously survived this. They get the key to the city, but three months later, we don't know what caused an event that's so exceedingly rare as to almost never happen in the NFL, especially to a 24-year-old young man. And of course, uh, and we can't talk about it, right? That's, that's, that is what I mean by narrative control. We're not allowed to have a conversation about this that is honest. And in fact, even DeMar Hamlin, when he's asked by uh, Michael Strahan uh, about uh, what happened, he seems stymied. And it seems to me there's an incredible pressure on this young man not to talk about what might have caused it. Take a look. 24, peak physical condition, could run circles around me right now. <laughs> <laughs> How did doctor describe what happened to you? Um... Um, 
I said, I'm going to stay away from him. So we see DeMar Hamlin. He's, he's struggling to talk about this because I think you can, you can feel the tripwires around this subject matter. For some reason, he is not able to be uh, have a candid conversation about this. Michael Strahan, uh, kudos for asking the question, but there's no follow-up. And there's no sense that anybody intends to get to the bottom of this. And the reason it matters is, and I've made this case before, is 80% of America was mandated, essentially. Some people did it willingly. A good deal of people did it willingly. But many people did it because they were mandated through their corporations. And certainly in the NFL, players were highly encouraged and somewhat mandated. I think there were a couple holdouts like uh, Aaron Rodgers and Beasley from, uh, from uh, I think that's his last name, from the Buffalo Bills too, didn't take it. But largely you had to take it to be eligible to play. And there was tremendous pressure to take it in the NFL. And the implications, if the mass medical injection has something to do with what happened to uh, DeMar Hamlin, the implications are we need to know that and talk about that. Because if we say we care about the NFL players, which we're told all the time, you know, for instance, Black Lives Matter. Well, this is a league that's 70% black. These are black young men. And if we care about these young men, and we should, uh, then we want to know what happened there. We need to have an honest conversation. Uh, and, you know, since then, what, we, what we're doing instead is we see the NFL is, is, is initiating new cardiac arrest procedures. So they've, they're going to do that. And the question there is, why? Are you expecting more cardiac arrests? And if so, why suddenly are you expecting more cardiac arrests on the field? Uh, an event, like I, I, I might have mentioned, has only happened in, in uh, 100 years. Twice, one death on the field in 1971. In NFL's 100-year history, uh, a cardiac event that killed somebody only has ever actually happened once in 1971. And then this event with Tamar Hamlin uh, is the next, I think, significant cardiac arrest on the field, as far as I understand. Correct me if I'm wrong in the comments if I got that wrong. But the, but the narrative control around this is such that you're not allowed to have an honest conversation. Nobody in the mainstream media is interested in, in, in pursuing this. This is the, a juicy story. Right, Because if there's pressure on the NFL, and I think there is from Big Pharma, not to talk about this for the implications of it, which is there's other uh, players that their health is on the line, and there's 80% of America that have taken this shot, their health is on the line. We should talk about this and have a candid conversation about it. I'm not saying I know the answer, but it seems to me the fact that there's such narrative control would indicate that it does have some relation to uh, the event, uh, the cardiac arrest that uh, DeMar Hamlin suffered on the field, the fact that we're still not told what caused that event should tell us a lot. It tells us there's incredible amounts of narrative control going on, but it also tells us that they have the power to control the narrative, that it's fallen to somebody like me, I'm a nobody, having this conversation that's so obvious, that it's fallen to people like me is insane. It's fallen to other people like Dr. Drew. And Dr. Drew said this the other day about how outraged we should be that we're not getting answers. Take a look. What happened to him? What was that? And why can't we ask about yeah, that? What was that? Until we can we understand can. what that was, people are covering things. Listen, you as the public should be outraged. And I mean outrage and beyond outrage that anybody who's representing you or giving you information, or as an elected official feels like you can't handle the truth, you should be so you should be beside yourself with anger. 
You can't handle the truth. They don't have faith in your ability to handle the truth or to handle information as it comes in. That is disgusting. And Dr. Drew is right. And Dr. Drew, just so you know, I think he's a very honest guy. He initially was very pro mass medical intervention uh, and has since revised because he's an honest person and he's, 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 he sees evidence that there's issues uh, around this mass medical intervention. Uh, and so he's saying that really we should be outraged. I mean, it's a, a number of issues that we should be outraged by, but it's one of the biggest ones because we were told that we had to take this to protect our neighbor. That didn't turn out to work because it didn't stop transmission. Uh, we were told to keep our job. We had to take this. It was the right thing to do. And people in good faith did that. And now if there's a problem, it is. it would be wise for us to step back and have a conversation. Uh, and if DeMar Hamlin's uh, the event on that field is the trigger for that, then we should do that. Even if it's painful, even if there's implications, even if whatever, wherever that conversation takes us, it's important if we care about people. The second issue, and I said it was totally unrelated, but it's totally connected in the sense of narrative control is this Nashville shooting. And so I live here uh, outside of Nashville. And as you know, uh, a, a transgendered individual walked in, killed six Christians, uh, this person has left a manifesto, and now we discover today they've also left a suicide note. And this is where I get to narrative control again. The very same week that these Christians were slaughtered by this transgender individual it is Trans Visibility Week. And of course, the narrative from the press is that trans people are under assault. They are, they are being attacked. And, and really, sort of the tacit implication is it's Christians and Christian ideology and Christian thinking, those white Christian nationalists that are assailing this group of victims uh, that, um, known as the transgender uh, community. Well, unfortunately, the very week that you're trying to tell America that, it's... Um, it, it's so ironic that a, a transgender individual walks into a Christian school to slaughter the, these six Christians, one of which was the daughter of the pastor of the school, the pastor who was actually counseling this transgender individual. And so it's clear that Christianity plays some role in the motive of the shooter. And, and, and what would tell you that that is true, again, just like it tells you that the mass medical intervention had something to do with Damar Hamlin is the amount of narrative control, right? The fact that there's a manifesto and that the FBI has it and we are now uh, a week and a half out from the shooting and we have not heard what's in that manifesto tells me there's something in the manifesto that doesn't fit the narrative, right? It doesn't fit the idea that transgender folks are under attack from, let's say, white nationalist Christians or Christians, but actually, in fact, that perhaps there's a problem, uh, a malignancy inside of the transgender community, which is taking aim at Christians, which manifested itself in a shooting at, at the Covenant School. And so that's a narrative that the media doesn't like, uh, especially when it was Trans Visibility Week. So now we find out there's a diary, right? In the diary, and, and we find there's a suicide note. And that's come out today, yet the, the Nashville PD has not released that. Now, Maybe they will release it. Maybe this stuff will come out. But like Damar Hamlin, and this is where there's a connection again, I think we kept thinking we might hear what caused Damar Hamlin's cardiac arrest. Was it congenital? Uh, what was it? I mean, there's, there, there, there's got to be a reason. And I go back to like Hank Gathers and Len Bias. These are two other young men uh, that were great athletes that fell over uh, from heart attacks, both died on the court. Well, we found out with Len Bias, 
that apparently it was cocaine, possibly might have been the cause. And in the case of Hank Gathers, uh, I, I, I think it was a congenital uh, heart defect in the case of Hank Gathers. Um, and so it, 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 it mattered to know what caused those, but we still don't have it about DeMar Hamlin. And so that also makes me think that perhaps we're not going to get it on the Nashville shooter, that it's just not a narrative they like. So they just can't afford to release that narrative to you, the public, and trust that you can compartmentalize that, you can have that discussion. Uh, we're going to hold that back, uh, both in the case of DeMar Hamlin. You can't handle what the truth is about what causes cardiac arrest, and you can't handle uh, what actually happened at Covenant and what motivated the killer when they walked in there and shot uh, six Christians. Uh, and the implications of the narrative are too deep and, and wounding and potentially uh, incendiary. Whatever the things that the elites are thinking or the media is thinking in terms of narrative control here, they don't want us to have it. And, and the net-net of all that, where I'm going with that is, is not only do we see the narrative control, which means if it's happening on these two issues, you can just assume it's happening on all kinds of issues, whether it's the Ukraine or whatever the issue is, whether it's Donald Trump's indictment, um, whether it's uh, Joe Biden's performance as president, there, the narrative control is immense. The media is able to walk in lockstep, right? With the exception of a few platforms like Twitter or Rumble, and maybe some of the conservative media that will challenge some of those narratives and some of the old school liberal uh, folks like Brett Weinstein, uh, people that are Joe Rogan that are willing to challenge the narratives. With the exception of that, you're, you're left um, with a media that pretty much walks in lockstep on these narratives. And that tells you the amount of concerted effort and control to actually pull it off that's going on. The fact that these two stories, and I'm just using these two stories as examples, can be coordinated to this degree, can be the conversation can be squelched to this degree, and the fact that there's the power to do that, the ability, the ability to coordinate that uh, is, is, is really uh, fascinating uh, to think about and scary to think about, actually, um, that we're living in those times. And I will just say again, you know, I, I bring this up a lot when, when Jesus says the truth will set you free. Part of the, the idea inside of that is I think that the hardest conversations are the ones that we have to have, right? The hardest conversations are, are the ones that will set you free. Um, if you think about your friends or in your family or uh, at your job, it's the conversation you're avoiding <laughs> with somebody else that actually is the, is the conversation that will set the situation free. It's, it's the one you need to have with your friends, with your mom, with your dad, with your brother, your sister, uh, with that person at church uh, or at your work. That's the, the hard conversation is the one that will set you free. Getting to the truth about what's really going on, it's the one we don't want to have, but it's actually the one that we need to have. And I think in the case of Damar Hamlin uh, and the Nashville shooter, the truth would set us free if we want to be free, right? If we, if we actually want to be free, if we want to know what the implications of those two stories are, there would be freedom. It would be painful, but there'd be freedom, I think, in, in really working through that, those two issues and understanding the dynamics involved in them and what actually caused those two events and having an honest conversation about it. There would be freedom uh, in, the, in getting to the truth. But it tells you that what is actually happening is 
some entity, some power, and I would just, for me as a Christian, I just go to the enemy, Satan. Uh, this is, the whole world lies in the lap of Satan, the Bible says, and he's the prince of this world. The system is energized by him, and he is not interested in setting you free. He's interested in enslaving you. And so his energy, his dominion over the system, the cosmos, right? That's the system, the Greek word for system, the world system, is stopping the conversation because he would prefer to have you enslaved to the narratives, right? Uh, to have you enslaved uh, to a lie. And so we're not able to have a conversation that we need to have. And so I'm saying it, I'm coming out and saying it on the big picture. I hope more people will say it. We, we should demand answers from, from the DeMar Hamlin situation and we should demand answers in the Nashville shooting uh, about the manifesto. And perhaps those will come, the, the, the shooter's uh, suicide note. These are things that need to be shared with the public. We need to understand the thinking in that individual because it affects everybody, right? If, if in that community, there's a malignancy in terms of thought, um, just as if it was true in the Christian community, if there's a malignant thought process going on that tells people they ought to commit violence uh, in order to be seen and heard as a transgender individual, we need to, to confront that and, and be honest about that so that we could be free of a lie that, you know, uh, doesn't, I don't think is true with the Christian community. Uh, we, we need to be careful that we aren't uh, encouraging that kind of thought because we'll get more events like the Nashville shooting. And we need to know in the case of DeMar Hamlin, if the mass medical intervention had something to do with it, because there are implications to that. Perhaps there's steps we can take to remedy that, or uh, perhaps going forward, it changes our policies going forward in regards to mass medical interventions. Perhaps there's a little more caution and procedural procedural caution around distributing a mass medical intervention uh, from a pharmaceutical company uh, without taking a little more time, perhaps, to decide whether that, that, that that's what we should be doing. And, and it might change the way we approach that issue going forward, and, and it probably would, and it should. Uh, anyway, thank you for joining the big picture today. The truth will set you free. Um, I believe that. That's why I love Jesus Christ. Uh, these things that he said, they have such resonance, and they apply to so many issues today. What's going on in the culture, Jesus is not some kind of anachronistic, guy from the past that doesn't affect today. His principles and his ideas uh, shine a light into everything that we're going through today. And it's as vibrant and alive as it's ever been. So I encourage you to uh, to get to know the man named Jesus Christ. It's This is his week, by the way. Uh, Sunday is uh, Resurrection Sunday. The story of Jesus Christ changed the entire world. He came to set us free from narratives that are keeping us enslaved. That's one way to think of it. He was the light that came into the darkness to penetrate and open our eyes to, to the system that's in the lap of Satan to kind of remove the veil that's that's keeping us enslaved in our lives. And it's doing it to us all in various ways. That is what the light of the world, the word, his name is the word also, Jesus came to penetrate that veil and open our eyes. And this week we celebrate him on Easter Sunday. So I, I would encourage you, if you've never stepped into a church, go this Sunday. Um, go. Uh, and if, if you only go twice a year, go this Sunday too. Uh, and begin to go. Begin to pursue God. I mean, one thing that God says over and over, uh, he says, you're going to have to pursue me. You're going to have to seek me. 
there's a step that you have to take. You, you know, he, he's pursuing you too, but he also says you need to take a step towards him. Draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. This Easter, I hope you draw near to Jesus Christ uh, and because uh, the truth will set you free and it'll change everything about your life and you will finally know the purpose of it and you will be useful to God. And so I, I pray that for you on Easter and let's keep talking about the things we're not supposed to talk about. And that's what I'm going to do on the big picture. I'm never going to shy away from that. Uh, and so the DeMar Hamlin story and the uh, Nashville shooting are two issues I'm not going to drop. I'm going to periodically go back to them. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you have a great Easter Sunday, a great Good Friday. And uh, it was great talking with you today.